I just want to wake up every day, throw a leg over my scoot, and ride. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. On road or off road, wrencher, rider, racer, or just a weekend warrior, this is the show for you. You found us, my fellas. Welcome to the American Roadrunner Podcast. And now, your host, Bob Marshall. And so it goes, my fellows. Welcome back to another episode of this, the American Roadrunner Motorcycle Show. Needless to say, things have been quite excited around here. If you look very carefully, you'll notice it's been a handful of weeks since I've put out a show. There is reason. The reason is audiobook. American Roadrunner audiobook. Now available exclusively on Audible. Hashtag Audible. If you don't have the app, check it out. Needless to say, it's the only extra thing I pay for. And if you sign up today, something about a free book. So this would be a good excuse. Writing, listening, enjoying, good story. This was a really big deal. I got to tell you, at the end of the audiobook, there's a bit of bonus content where I sit down with my narration coach and we tell you all about it. So if you'd like to get the book, look it up on Audible. Feel free to leave a rating and a review. I narrated it, I produced it in my great little studio, a.k.a. Flying Marshall Laboratory Closet, and I think it turned out really effing good. It was a lot of work to get it all going, but boy, I had one heck of a time with it. Regardless, guess what time it is. This show is gonna be a good one. There are some ups and some downs, but we finish our conversation all about the stampede with one Mr. Nomad Charlie. We're entitling this one, He Who Travels Fastest Goes Alone. Enjoy, my fellows. And you were, you mostly do this by just kind of staying awake and keep going. I mean, you might catch an hour or two, but other than that, I thought I slept, I thought I slept like a good six hours. You know, but it was raining and my bike was fucked up, but I still come in depth. And I was, you know, at that point, I kind of come up with more ways around that second year. God. So, yeah, that second year was rich from New York. And all 13 dudes that showed up, all 13 made it. We partied down like rock stars. It was very pure. Epic. And it was like, it was like the beginning of what the stampede turned into. Mm -hmm. It was like chaos, but it was like quasi-organized. You know, we kind of stuck with the same basic rules, and we kept going the same way. But the third year, the third year, I come in second place. Nice. And I had some problems. We went the same damn way, so I already knew my way around through. We're still on the 40. I think I was, before we left, Miyagi had the block tie. He was saying I should put the block tie on the seat, on this bolt underneath my seat or something, we put it on, and the damn thing broke off, and the fender's rubbing on my tire, and I'm trying to, like, Mickey Mouse it together on the side of the road. My whole sissy bar was coming off. I had some problems that hung me up for, like, a good a good long while that year. So, I didn't come in first, but I was I was giving chase for sure. That year, um, this old dude, Ryan from Georgia, and Chris from Kansas City won that year. And uh, they're kind of rolling together. They they laid it down. They had a good time. I don't remember what it was off the top of my head. They did good. Uh, Next year, next year, number four, that was the year that that Lori got killed. This is where I stop us for just a moment to interrupt the show. Brother Charles is about to talk about a subject that's near and dear to all our hearts. Our fallen queen of the stampede. Miss Lori Barasic. Lori was a good one who went down in stampede number four. Needless to say, she was the queen. 
of my best friend, Mr. F-Bomb. F-Bomb hasn't been on the show yet. He might be on here someday. But in the meantime, I'm sure Brother Charles, as with all us other Stampeders, will attest. We remember Miss Lori every day of our lives, and we adorn her stickers on almost everything we own. Miss Lori was a good one. And now, back to the show. You know, like she got run over in Arkansas while her and that bomb were getting around. Uh, that was a real bad deal. It, that was like a real pivotal point in the stampede. Like it was a turning point for, you know, we could we would have stopped. I mean, I even put it in that bomb's court. I was like, dude, you think we ought to stop? What do you want to do here? She's like, nah, she wanted to go water to water. We're going to go water to water next year. And that's what, that's what we did on the fifth year. But the fourth year, I did win, and that was my fastest time ever. I mean, I, I did 34 hours and 10 minutes. And I didn't stop for shit. I didn't have any major mechanical problems. Shit, I was already drinking beers and eating pizza by before anyone even came in. I was like, way ahead of everybody. It was the one, I, little did I know that it was going to be the only year that was going to be that. Like, I mean, it's easy. If you, if you can only do it in 34 hours, man, I was still awake and good to go. Yeah. I was all right. You know, but back then I had a regime that would, you know, make it where you got about 48 hours for your lack of sleep really starts affecting your judgment and your motor skill. So the 48-hour window is really the most important for as far as, like, I'm going to step back and remember how I got into the stampede. And that was reading a little article in a little magazine. The article was called the gospel according to Charlie. When did you start doing that? I want to say it was after that first year. I, I, I don't know. Me and George started hanging out. And he was saying, well, maybe you should write something to the magazine. I'm like, okay. You know, I like to write. It was fun. Yeah. You know, so I started saying I'm a PK. I don't know. It kind of like escalated from there. Well, that's what led me to the stampede and the romantic notion and ideas that I could buy an old cop bike, throw it together, and make it all work in a few months. And I did. My first year, I came in 16th at three and a half days. So I did. And that was on a blown engine. I got home and only had one and a half cylinders worth of compression. I, all I could do is fourth gear, 4,000 miles and, and uh, 4,000 RPMs. That was from the middle of Texas all the way to the Carolinas. And that was the year we took the 10. Led into a huge romantic ideology for me that the Stampede has got to be the most badass race ever thought up, invented, and then pursued and conquered by the likes of you. Have I thanked you for that lately? I don't know about lately, but I think you have in the past. Amen. Amen. Well, that was... It was pretty heavy duty. Well, it really was, and it just kept going on. And I think that was the seventh year I competed. And then the eighth year, was that the year you did the little bikes out of Oregon? Yeah, I had a very hard time that year. That was like my... My worst year. That was the only year that I didn't legitimately finish. Oh, yeah. I didn't even legitimately start. I blew up like four motors and two different bikes just trying to get there. And then Jay let me take his car back to Portland. I got on a plane, flew back to Phoenix, hopped on the rust bucket, got across, and I was there. I was at both sides, but I didn't make it. You know, I didn't get to make the top run. That was the year that Jared went underneath that fucking tractor. Like, that was so bad. Uh, I love, love that I, YouTube I, video. I miss the fact. I mean, it's a real shitty video, but everybody loves that. That's a big, bad as shit. Every, yeah. Every, let, me just, know, let, let me just state, if you go to Jared's freaking Instagram, it's Crazy Jared on Instagram. There will be a YouTube video in his profile. You click on that. You will see the most badass stampede shit ever imagined. This man running a little oh, yeah. motorcycle under a tractor while his brother's recording. His brother, Willie, is screaming, go, Jer, go. And he freaking rides right under this track. Oh, it's glorious, man. Nah, Jer's the real deal. He is, he is like, I don't know, Jer's the man. Oh, Jared's such the real deal. I'm so fortunate to call that man my friend. He's been on the show here a few times, and my favorite one was he uh, came down for Born Free last year. He shows up at the house. 
He goes, this is the best day ever. I just rode 750 miles, ate a taco, and now I'm doing a podcast. Oh, I love Jer. Jer's so great. I just died laughing. Yeah, that guy's a real deal. He, he built some real freaking some real freaking awesome crap. I don't think anybody finished that eighth year, though. Lots of people finished. Oh, no, I know. It was just nobody finished well. I mean, do you remember who was first, how their time was? I thought it was all. I mean, everybody broke down. Yeah. I mean, oh, okay. I don't remember if I beat him or not, but yeah, there was good. There was good time. It was uh, uh, Paul Corey won that year. Oh, that's right. Good old and Paul Corey. Mad. Yeah, Paul Corey. I want to say he got there before me, even. But you know, like I had, I had like a more roundabout circuit, but it wasn't like I was in the race. I mean, I didn't even have any ox fuel. I wasn't planning on taking my. I mean, after that fourth year when Lori died. And I won, like, on the way home, I blew up my bike. Right. You know, I, I was about, like, I don't know, hell, 300 miles from the house. I I had to call the old lady, and she borrowed a pickup and come and save me. And, you know, my bike wasn't even put back together by the second, or, well, by the fifth stampede. So I ended up, you know, when I realized that I wasn't going to have my shit together in time, I ended up buying this uh, this old CB750 tool over that actually Jared ended up building at the time. Right. This was before we were hanging out, but, you know, like, the whole Four Corners is a pretty small world, and there's only so many weirdos that's into this kind of shit. Amen. But anyway, I bought this bike, and it seemed like a good idea at the time, and it kind of ran like shit, but it had, like, those, those uh, metal slides, those metal slide CD carburetors on it. Right. A little over 750, like, I want to say it was like an 81 or 82. I kept fucking with it, and I kind of made it a little bit different, you know, arguably maybe better. I don't know. I mean, I got to run a little better, but it only liked to run wide open after I got the best list, so that's usually where I, where I put it. Right. And that year, that year we went, that year I'm pretty sure we went over 70. Like, we went up through Vegas and went over 70, and it was the first year. Oh, no, that was when we went from Santa Monica over 70 and all the way to the the ocean on the other side, Norfolk. Right. That was, like, number five was one of the best stampedes ever. I'm on this clapped-out old pile, and I only had a couple months. I mean, by the time I got there, it wasn't leaking oil. It was leaking gasket. I mean, it was <laughs> just blowing out of it. I didn't give a shit. Just, just flogged it like a beaten dog, and... I won that year too. I got, I don't remember what my time was, but I done pretty good. It wasn't no 34 hours, but it was a hell of a lot longer. Right. But uh, I was packing like maybe eight gallons of fuel. That sucked. I don't even know what I was thinking at the time. Yeah, we, we should talk about that. I don't think a lot of people are hip. I mean, unless they've read my book, but the extra fuel cells that we carry. Uh, you know, we usually strap them to the passenger where the passenger would be. In my case, I'm the rare one who puts it up front like a St. Bernard carries a freaking jug. But how, how many gallons do you usually carry? I know the last year you had two fuel cells. I saw them on the side of the road, but that's another story. But what well, I carried two on that one, too. God damn it. Yeah, I had a really hard time the last year. But uh, Well, I tell you. I the, like to carry about like seven to eight and a half. I know that. Anything over eight and a half, you're just showing off because you ain't going to burn that shit. Right. Good luck. Yeah, that's a lot of fuel. Uh, And the story goes, the last year, I'm hauling butt through, uh, I don't even know where, was it in Utah? I don't know. All of a sudden, I look to the side. Right between the Nevada and the Utah borders, right, wherever it rattled off. Right. You know, like, I almost went down, but I just kept going. I was like, well, fuck it. I'm not going to put it back on at this point. Yeah. I still had, like, a very comfortable lead on dude. I figured, well, I'll just stick to my main tank because I could still go on a midnight ride or I could go, like, um, could still go, like, 180 miles on my main at the time. 200 miles, so I figured I could still do it all fucking nail it to the wall, but it didn't quite work out like that. I had charging system issues. It started raining on me in Denver. Like, I had I had major issues out last year. I was lucky just to make it. So it's kind of like it ended up just like it started for me. Like, it, 
it started out really rocky and I barely made it. And then by the 10th year, I barely made it then too. And, and ironically enough, like I didn't make it home either. You know, the motor locked up on my way back. Right. You know, all that stuff happened with Richie dying. And, you know, like I, we got like the big not welcome vibe. And, you know, there's a lot of drama and it just, it seemed like a good point to stop. And, you know, like you can only do the same thing so many times before it starts feeling a little rote. You know, being wanted in a couple states wasn't that awesome. The surveillance technology was getting better. And even whenever I was getting pulled over and interrogated on my way back through, I was able to walk my way through. It was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. But right. they was looking for me back then, and that was full on five years ago. It's a little bit different world now. Right. No, the technology has gotten better. Yeah, I think that was... Uh... What year the smokeout was that? We'd always finish at the smokeout in uh, Rockingham, North Carolina. But the last year was, uh, shoot, what, five years ago now? It was five years ago because uh, I've been out in Texas for five years now. Man, that was quite some time. And you mentioned the Midnight Rider, which I'm such a huge fan of this bike. That bike first came out in the seventh stampede, right? Mm, sixth. The sixth? Okay, very cool. The sixth. Right. And I won that year too. I won three years in a row, but after that, it started going downhill. Right. The seventh year, that's when uh, Adam McDonnell from uh, Canada, uh, Fort Mac, Fort McMurray up in Canada, represent. He come on that strutted top tail. Man. And that dude was a savage. He just fucking lead. I mean, his bike runs good the whole way, and he just fucking got it. And, you know. Them Northern Alberta boys ain't right. He's just one of them. I mean, he was, he was an old oil field dude from up there, too. Like, old Adam, if you're listening to somewhere, you ain't right, but you're all right. Like, that's right. Really it, it's kind of not what we intended, but within the within the confines of the rules, it was totally illegal. Much as your bike. I mean, your bike ain't no fucking chopper. You know, like, it's right. a little bit of a cop-out in the context of a chopper race. But it was a rigid. It's all mounted. And met all the criteria, so therefore it was legal. It's much in the same fashion that, you know, just because he followed all the rules and, you know, it would be easy for us to be like, oh, fuck that guy, he's a brand new bike, well, whatever. I could have gone and bought a brand new bike, too. Right. Anybody could have. No one was saying, you can't do it. It was just rider stupidity. But if you're not if you're not optimizing your, your system, you're basically just cheating yourself. But is that out of pride? stupidity all the above you know like that rust bucket was never designed to do shit like that i ride it nowadays and a lot of times i ask myself just what the fuck are you thinking and i just barely got that midnight rider going again actually like a few weeks ago and you know it got a it got a lot of things working in my mind again and you know i rode it around for i don't know 30 40 miles like what the fuck was i thinking like god damn this is horrible That's great. Um, I have a few more things to refine on it, but it's hard to see the forest from the trees, and eventually you just start, like, believing whatever you tell yourself. And, I mean, it was kind of a it was kind of a bad idea all the way around, but it was really pure, and it was really fun. I mean, it was, it was a very interesting trip. Like, you, you can get into some pretty heavy shit with it. The Midnight Rider, isn't it a Sportster frame with a KZ engine? Fuck no, that's a custom frame dude like yeah. i had this other frame that i got years ago in sandman in oklahoma sandy jones he built right. that frame he knocked it off my original one because he was an airplane mechanic and he thought like he thought that my frame just wasn't going to cut the mustard for the power that motor is going to put out so he basically knocked it off but with uh with the Kowal dom came out really nice the first year the exhaust was burning my feet, I ended up having to jack it up. We changed a lot of things as time goes on, but that's racing, you know, like you gotta find out what's gonna work and what don't. Right. You know, I really put the hurting on that four motor. It was a it was a Z one motor too. It was a nineteen seventy four model. Oh, and the right. lighter cranks will pull up faster. Had those uh thirty I wanna say those thirty four, thirty six millimeter McCoonies that Jay has now. Right. Uh, it was a good combination, but you know, it takes 
I mean, there's no impenetrable fortress. At the time, I thought that it was going to be a more impenetrable fortress, but I fucked shit up, you know. I mean, I've destroyed, I basically destroyed the motors out of like several bikes in the process. They weren't designed to do that. They weren't designed to go 400 miles at a time, wide open, with you know, just pinning it like it. Not designed for that. Don't expect anything more out of it when you're beating the god out of it. It's just arrogance on your behalf. Oh yeah, we've got we're so fucking arrogant with what we do. Let let's get back to the carbs. You mentioned a minute ago that you let Jay borrow on the last stampede. There's been some political conflict amongst fellow stampeders. Did Jay ever ship those back to you or pay you for those? Okay, I just wanted to set the record straight. Needless to say, we've been around nah, the campfires a few times and had this discussion. No, nah, no, nah, he, he paid me for them. They're still on his bike, and I ended up getting a set of key and CRs. I got an 1175 motor in it now. Cool. And put a set of key and CRs. So far, it seems like it's doing pretty good, but I'm still getting a little bit dialed in. It's a little buzzy. I got a few other things to sort out, but it's running good, and I don't know. I, I'm a, I like the CRs. They're not as brutal as the flat slides for sure. Right. But and it took me a little bit of finagling to make it work with what I had going on, but it worked out. It's yeah. still charging. I haven't taken on any super heroic trips yet, but I still need to put tires on it. You know, make a sissy bar for it, do some other shit. But she'll be back. It, it felt good to get on it again. Yeah. I mean, I have like a a four-cylindered hole in my heart, you know, I mean, I, I don't know, I always come, come back, to, I gotta have a little bit of Japanese weirdness in my life, you know, that's what I come up on, and I, I still, I still dig them, you know, the dollar to fun ratio's right, I mean, Jared really cracked the code, you see what he's been putting together lately, oh he, man, he has broken the code, man, that's... have you seen his new, his new Jixer motorbike? Oh, yeah, the uh, Suzuki. Yeah, he put it together. The one he put together like three years ago with the ga backwards gas tank? No, sir. Oh, he's no, got, sir. He's got think, another one. Think cool, the one he's putting together right now, and it is, he, he has broke the code. Like, he's, he's broke the code. I just need to go up to Durango and hang out for a week and learn a few things from that motherfucker. You'd have to hang out for more than a week. Right, <laughs> right. right. Yeah, no, he does some really cool uh, stuff. I love what he does with those Jixer motors and those choppers. Uh, we had, well, this was different. This is a liquid cool Jixer motor. This is, this is like to break you through the barrier that we, we'd always, you know, like there's always been an air cool barrier that, right. you know, none shall cross. But I, I think he's broke the code with this business lately. He's wow. kind of switched on. And if I could have gone back in time, I could have really done a lot more damage did with any of the piles of shit that I took across. Right. I mean, granted, like, there were total piles of shit, but they weren't optimal for it. Like, I mean, the furthest I ever could go in 24 hours ended up only being like 1,870 miles. I think I could have made 2,000 on a motor that was that was a little bit more refined. And, you know, something about putting a little more modern sport bike motor in a chopper, that, that would have got it done. Right. It would have been more reliable. I wouldn't have had to fuck with it as much. And at the time, you know, I was physically prepared. I was mentally prepared. I had plenty of fuel. You know, like, it, it is a perfect storm. But then the weather could fuck you. You know, there's a lot of things. All the stars have to be in alignment for you to have a good, clean run. Right. Like, it, it could have one little thing to spiral into a chain of unfortunate events that could completely leave you on the side of the road, make you, like, barely even make it. I mean... You know, just because you have a good year, a few years, don't mean you're gonna. It's gonna happen all the time. Like after four, five, six, seven, I think I took second or third or something again. Number eight, I didn't even make it. Number nine, I didn't do that good in nine either because I was still having problems. And number ten, I was having major problems. I thought I had it sorted out, but I was pretty wrong. You know, so it kind of like went up, and then came back on down. Yeah, yeah. But yep. every single bike that I rode had like serious mechanical issues as a direct result of it. Ever wonder what happened to the music they used to play on the radio? It's now available and virtually commercial free for your ride. 
Dirty Radio FM. Get the app today and enjoy it streaming or download songs to your heart's content. Dirty Radio FM is free and the best way to enjoy music through a Senna like Bob or with earbuds while you're on the road. Dirty Radio FM. Get the app today. American Roadrunner brings you a Roadrunner in the Headlight. Oh, yes, it is that time again. I got to tell you, I've gotten to do just a little bit of hop in the summer. Work's kept me busy, and having the normal stuff shut down, it's kind of slowed me down. I'm sure at the end of the day, the answer is I still have a 1K to make up myself. But let's get to the Ride 1K in a day for a little bit. Do a little bit of catch up on all the goodness. There's been so many Americans and fellow human beings of this entire world out there doing the awesomeness that is the self-challenge of the Ride 1K in a Day. Today we're starting off with none other than SD underscore real underscore estate. As you know, this man's on a mission to kill one a month. This time, 1,039 miles in 17 hours, 48 minutes. What a great story he's got going on. He writes, I'm lagging on getting this one uploaded. After my last ride, I started meandering and was hoping for a week or so, but three days in, I had to bust ass home due to work. I've been buried. Fortunately, I realized I needed to hurry. I was in Durango and there was a solid 1K that looked to be very scenic. I was not disappointed. Up the million dollar highway, I was again reminded that Colorado believes in Darwinism when they built their roads. Survival of the fittest there. Stopping for elk, being denied access to Silverton due to COVID, and then just constantly being blown away by epic scenery. What an awesome morning. A scene out of the Old West came up as several cowboys on horses moved their free-range herd down the road. I'm sure they chuckled as one cow squared up with me and started mooing her snout wads at me. Had to walk the bike back a few steps until she calmed and let me by. I twisted down through a canyon to see a few deer and some random house built into a cliff right on the border of Colorado and Utah. When I hit Moab, I was pretty sure the Jeep to human ratio was two to one and everyone was out for the holiday weekend. From the time I got up and hit 27 degrees to gassing up in Vegas when I saw 97, it was all in a great day. The first 200 miles out of Durango took me four hours, and I might be the best few hours I've ever spent on a motorcycle. Something amazing about being able to see so much in such a little amount of time. 1Ks make motorcycles even more a symbol of freedom. Well done, sir. Bells for you. Next up, we got a first-timer on the gram addicted to two wheels. Crushed his first 1K, finished it on July 4th. Clocked him at 1,000 in 15 hours, 41 minutes. 1,000 miles, exactly. I'm not sure how he figured that out, but shoot, I give him a lot of kudos just for that. It was a great time, and he wants to beat it next time. He writes, With starting on the 3rd, knowing I'd go past midnight, I figured what better way to bring in Independence Day than to ride free and push my limits. This was my first 1K in a day, but I'll definitely be trying to beat this 1,000-mile time and distance next week on my way back to Colorado. It was an amazing day of riding and seeing this America, but also challenging as hell. Well done, Mr. Addicted to Two Wheels. Let's get to the reality of good relationship. Thomas Duncan, with his wife Monica, as passenger. That's two up, my fellows. Crushed his beautiful 1K from Utah to Oregon. 1,059 miles in 19 hours, 2 minutes. And they're already submitting for a second ride. And apparently did very well, because they seem to still be married. Well done for them. They ride. Left Moad to come home. Had a great ride. Weather was nice. Had to change our oil in a motel parking lot before we left. We've racked up a lot of miles far from home. We went to Moab to see my sister as a surprise. There you go. This is freaking awesome. 
And it all started with good maintenance to keep the back going and apparently good maintenance on a relationship. I give you guys a lot of credit. On the gram, Wat Miza crushed 1K Lake Michigan loop and was looking forward to her YouTube video for this ride going live on the 31st. Such a beautiful loop and conveniently 1,000 miles, give or take. This is definitely on the bucket list. We have her at 1,012 miles in 23 hours, 6 minutes. Well done. Glad she made it. She writes, 1,012 miles in 23 hours on my beloved Harley-Davidson Sportster 883 is complete. Man, this was a roller coaster of emotions, moto adventure for my first Ride 1K in a Day challenge. I had such high spirits until the sun went down. After that, things started to irritate me, wear me down, test me, drain me, caked on bugs, losing my cramp buster, get in a 24-hour gas station that was closed. I honestly was this close to pulling into a motel and asking for a room. Physically, I could have rode in the saddle all day long, and then some, but mentally, this challenge was the hardest 20 hours in and, and the most tiresome around 21 and 22 hours. I had timed this route to ride the beautiful five-mile-long Mackinac Bridge as the sun was setting over Lake Michigan and rode along the coast of the Upper Peninsula as the sun rose again in the sky. I have learned so many times and would honestly ride it again in a heartbeat. After all, a very long nap, of course. There you go, on the gram, White Meza. Miss Whitney, check her out, and yes, she's got a link to her YouTube channel, on the gram. Let's get back at it. Nomad Charlie, Stampede, here on the American Roadrunner Motorcycle Show. Well, let's talk about the future we're not the young 20 something year olds that we used to be and i suspect in the future there's going to be one or two things for you there's going to be a really good book about the stampede that might even do better than my book did have you gotten a chance to read my book cover to cover charles i don't think i even have your book holy heck i gotta send you a damn copy you're mentioned in it like 28 times mostly i just talk about how much i hate you but yeah well, Right. You kind of can't help it, but you know, I'm I've been meaning to write the book. I mean, at first, like at first, there was a little bit of hard shit. I hadn't really digested it fully, and then I ended up getting a different gig. And, you know, uh, I don't know. Life just kind of took me in a little different direction for a while. But I've been thinking I need to get back to it before it fades into obscurity of memory. I mean. Amen. Well, I'm a big fan of your writing. I know you no longer write the gospel according to Charlie for the horse. So I'm really looking forward to this book myself. Well, magazines are kind of dead. I mean, you know, even written books might be kind of dead. But, uh, you know, like you were saying before, maybe it'd be cool to maybe it'd be cool to do an audio book. But I kind of think I sound like a douche on, on like recorded media. I'm sure I'm going to hear this and I'll be like, oh, my fucking well, I could always uh, record it for you if you write it. I've got the whole studio, and I've been having a lot of fun recording audiobooks lately. Actually, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm going to mention that to you in the next week or two when this show comes out. My audiobook, American Roadrunner, is going to hit Audible. So I'm very excited. I'm making that public freaking announcement right now. I got it all buttoned up and done. I got to send it over to Audible, let them do their stuff. But there's going to be the audiobook of American Roadrunner, the book. Me idea, anyway. I'd have to do it. You right. could do it. My story. There yeah, you go. It's all our story, but, right. but I couldn't, you know, I couldn't, you know, like, well, let's have James Missioner read it in the most official voice possible. Now, I mean, even if I sound like a teacher, I have to just write the bullet. Amen. Amen. Well, let me know if you need a little production. I could always produce it for you. Yeah, I don't know anything about any of that. That's okay. For some reason, accidentally, I tend to find myself a bit of a, a amateur expert at these things lately. Kind of like I am with riding motorcycles. So that'll be good stuff. The burning question that everybody wants to know. 
When is a stampede coming back to good old U.S. of A? Never. That's right. It's over. There's a moment in time. It's over. I am so fucking over it. And furthermore, it's it's stupid, illegal, immoral, and decent wrong. I mean, you can get yourself in trouble or dead or anything with surveillance technology now. And personally, I'm over it. After doing it 10 years, fucking over it, man. I don't have nothing to prove to nobody. Myself either. And ultimately, that's the only person that you're ever going to be able to dominate yourself. And if you, even if you're faster than another guy, it's going to make more people hate you more. It's fucking dumb. I mean, I'm over it. It's not like a really attractive thing whenever you get up. But you get older, maybe you just get a little bit less cocksure. And you think like, well, you realize that don't really matter. Nowadays, I like taking a little bit more time and doing things. But I was always in a big damn hurry when I was younger. And it was just kind of like the way my whole life went. So it seemed very normal because... In a roundabout sort of way, it kind of validated the rush that I had imposed upon my entire existence. I mean, I basically whored myself out in my 20s to the oil field. Like, I, I missed out on a lot of awesome shit. You might see me a lot of places, but every time that I was in those places, I was in one place just poking holes in the ground. You know, like, I, I in, in hindsight, it seems very clear. And at the time, I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was just kind of rolling with it because it seemed like a good idea at the time. You got to get that degree of Stockholm Syndrome. Yep. But that being said, I come to understand a lot of things about about the world and our place within it in pursuit of this transcontinental madness that we refer to as the stampede. And, uh, you know... Ultimately, it's not about the race because, you know, like, we were never racing. Like, most dudes were never racing. There might have been, like, I don't know, half a dozen, a dozen dudes that were really racing with me. We weren't racing. Right. You know, and why lie about it? Why lie about it? You know, like, either you're charging after it or you're on the Get There program. And Get There program was pretty sweet. Yeah. It was nice. But, you know, like, if you're really charging after it, there's a very tangible possibility that you were going to die. Yeah. Very yeah. tangible. Very tangible. And, you know, like, especially when you stay awake long enough and things start getting really psychedelic, like, you know, it's not a good idea any by any means. If you miss a lot of fun of riding a motorcycle, just for what? Just to try to, like, prove some empty thing that nobody really cares about. It's like when you're running. You know, like, you can run a marathon. If you don't do that shit like 12 minutes, Nobody cares. Nobody cares about your time anyway. They just care about their own time. Yeah. They don't want to talk about nobody else. They want to talk about they sell. Yeah. And ultimately, you know, like you start realizing there's no separation between it. The best thing about the stampede was hanging out with dudes that would do something like the stampede. And it brings out a very particular kind of critter. And I met a lot of dudes that were so solid that are still my pals now. And, yep. you know, like a very a very rare breed of guys that would, that would put themselves through that kind of an arrangement. And, you know, like that, I think that arguably speaking, everybody would agree. Like the beginning was super fun. The end was super fun. All the stuff in the middle was kind of fun, but it's kind of a fucking ordeal. Yeah. And. How many, how many ordeals do you got to go through? What are you trying to prove? Trying to prove you're a man? It doesn't prove shit. It just proves that you're dumb and stubborn. And I am stubborn. I am stubborn to a fault. And I, I, I realize that. And, you know, perhaps perhaps I've gotten a little less stubborn and, you know, been able to look at things a little bit clearly as, as I've gotten older. I mean, I'm not super old, but I feel like I feel like I can look at things from a clearer perspective than I did when I was younger. A lot of things make a lot more sense to me now. Well, you're absolutely so right. The stampede is over. It was a moment in time, and to try to force another moment in time to be the same way would be for naught. And what are you going to prove? Like, you weren't in that moment in time. You weren't in that moment in time. You know, like, I'm trying to... I think it would have been sick to be back in the 30s, you know, like, around when all that crazy stuff happened in America, but I wasn't around, you know, or even like 40s, 50s, 60s. There's a lot of times in America that would have been cool, but it was a moment in time, and that moment kind of gone on, but the road hasn't stopped. I mean, 
mean, there's still a, road, a lot of road out there, and there's a lot of fun to be had. But the idea of, of racing, I mean, there's always going to be someone faster than you. There's always going to be someone slower than you. It's fun to do it, but you don't need, like, the formality of, you don't need the formality of the race. But if you want to just prove yourself that you can get across the map, by all means, you ought to do it. And until you got across the map a couple times on your own accord with no chase vehicles, just all by yourself, like, it's a feeling of power. It's very heady. Yeah. You know, like, you feel like, oh, man, I stuck a fat hog in the ass. Like, that first stampede when I made it, no kickstand, shit falling apart. All I have is a Leatherman Crescent Ranch and a fucking knife. And, you know, like, boom, I got this thing there. I got this thing home, you know, and, like, I started making it better. Like, it's very heady, but you get to the point where you just blow it up and you start with another one and you blow it up and start with another one. It's cool, but you don't want to be no one-trick pony. It ain't got to be pretty one-trick pony towards the end. I don't know. It would never be the same. And, you know, I think 10 years is a good round number. I got a few other rides brewing and stuff, but it don't have to be like the stampede. Well, you I don't th- want to be packing all that ox fuel and all the dudes that were packing ox fuel that were in the middle of the pack. They didn't really want to pack that ox fuel. You try going 450 miles on a motorcycle without getting off, get off for five minutes to get on it and do it again. And you tell me that that's fun and you're a fucking liar. Amen. <laughs> Amen. I'd agree. I only get about 220 before I got to pull over and get fuel. And that's way more than enough for me. Yeah. I don't know how some, uh, my presence was 450 was the longest stretches I was making. I was averaging anywhere from like 375 to 400 on my bigger years. Wow. You know, when I was really pulling, putting the miles, but still 1870, that's my threshold. I haven't beat 800, 1870 miles in the 24 hour period. I don't know if I could. I mean, if I had like a real switched on bike and I had, I knew it wasn't going to break down and, you know, well, maybe I updated some of my other devices that I had associated with it. Perhaps I, I could beat it now. But I really don't have much inclination to. Sometimes the idea crosses my mind just to see how far I could go in 24 hours again. Everyone's like, ooh, one key in a day. What are you going to do for the rest of the day? Shit. Yeah. You're on a regular bike with a regular gas tank. You can do 1,000 miles a day if you stay after it. Yeah. easily. Yeah, it's so even nice. on like the rest fucking now, like I can make a thousand miles in a day and still sleep on the curb and eat burritos and drink beers. It's not that big a deal. Yeah, it's but a good one. It goes back to the old saying, he who travels faster goes alone. And that's half the battle. And that's one of the big reasons why, like, you know, you're not really trying to battle against everyone else. You're just battling the ghosts in your head. And after, after you get off the line and you get spread out, you're really only battling with yourself anyway. You know, you think that like, oh, I'm going to catch this guy, I'm going to catch this guy, but you're really just overcoming your own fear of the unknown. And once it's known to you, then it loses its novelty and you figure like, oh, well, I could command the unknown to do what I want. You don't really realize it until after it starts feeling routine. And anytime you do anything that much, you just need more and more and more and eventually you can't get any more. And it's never going to be enough. And once you realize it's never going to be enough, why bother? Yeah. What do you got to do? Do it at 200 miles an hour? Like, you get your late model fixer and go 180 miles an hour out of the box in that damn thing. And, you know, like, if you set that up right to where it's comfortable and you have, like, a little bit of subversion devices and you caught a good day, you could probably do it faster. But then what? Be so faster. You hear about this old boy? Is this one, uh, you know, like beat the cannonball record recently? Yeah, BMW, I think. L.A. to New no, York. No, sir. Oh. No, sir. It was some guy in a damn rented Mustang that he loaded up uh, with ox fuel and just blew the doors off of it right in the middle of all this China virus bullshit. Like, oh, man, what a G. That guy is such a boss. I would like to shake his hand someday, but that was brilliant. And he took it back, you know, after written it to go across, pulled all his ox fuel out. What a what a boss, man. That's I, great. I was quite pleased by that, you know, and all these other guys, like, you got all these rich dudes spending all this money on all this stuff. He just rent the damn Mustang, hooks it up, hooks it up with all these boat tanks and shit, had it fully loaded down. And I think he, he did it in some in 
insane amount of time. It was like 30 hours or something like that. I don't know, but it was damn fast. I mean, and it's further to go from New York to San Francisco than it is from Boston, North Carolina. I mean, right. But that being said, it's a simple equation. It's like how many times you got to stop. How far are you going in between stops? How fast are you going? It's just like a word problem when you're in fourth grade. You know, a train leaves a train leaves uh, Pittsburgh at 9:30 p.m. and it gets to New York by whatever. Right. You know, it's just basically a word problem, and you fill in the parts of the equation and the parts to fail. You have to work out. Right. But I throw the chopperness into it. That throws a whole other element because not only are you just trying to beat the word problem, which you could do with a lot of modern bikes, relative, you know, a lot, relatively, it would be a lot easier than what we were trying to do. And, you know, half the panache was pounding a square peg in a round hole. Like, like you see Velarde show up for a race with a fucking peanut tank and kick only bike, you know, even or not, like, that's a tough bike to ride across the country. You yeah, gotta be is. a tough son of a bitch. Good old Velarde. You know, and like half of half of the panache was like doing something that you know most people wouldn't have the grit to do, and doing it on something that's kind of fucking awesome. You know, like you got like a legit, honest to god chopper riding it across America. That's the kind of stuff you think about when you're a little kid, like drawing pictures on your notebook and stuff. Like it's, it's awesome. Was awesome. Good time. I concur. The road goes on forever and the party never ends. Mr. Charles Davis, a.k.a. Nomad Charlie, a.k.a. Brother Charles. I got to tell you, that guy's pretty awesome. And I was very serious when I said I've spent a lot of time, money, effort, energy, blood, coffee chasing that man all over this country. The stampede was very real. Needless to say, it hurt a little, but at the end of the day, we all had a good time, and it all came off in the shower. Hope you enjoyed that. I gotta give you a quick little story. A few weeks ago, I found myself hopping on the scoot, cruising on over to a place called Silver City, New Mexico, from here in Southern California. It was a nice little 650-mile hop. I think I took a week and hung out there. I actually just jumped on my dad's bike. The mounts for the old man bagger batwing thing that he keeps on the front there had broken. So I just ripped that sucker off, threw my helmet on, off I went down the 10 for as far as I could go into New Mexico. I hit Lordsburg, made a left, climbed a mountain. Silver City, New Mexico was awesome. Why am I telling you this? Because I want to give a big... Congratulations to fellow Stampeder, Mr. Mike Shoop. Mike Shoop married his longtime love, Miss Priscilla. So Mike and Priscilla, Mr. and Mrs. Shoop, are officially hitched. They had one hell of a little party. We all came in from all over. I made it a good point to do my best to slow down a little for this ride. 650 miles took me nine hours there. I was a little disappointed. I didn't slow down much. So, on the way back, I really made it a point to slow down. And I did it in like 10 hours. I stopped on the side of the road and had a sandwich. I relaxed. I hit a vista or two. I pulled over with my typewriter. I don't know how it happened, man, but I just got back way too quick. I'm going to be doing my best in the future to slow down just a little bit. Unless I happen to be racing. But when I'm not racing, 650 miles is a nice little 10-hour day. I could turn it into 12. I could turn it into 14. I need to get better as I get older. The weight loss is going good. If anyone's interested, I've lost a few more pounds. 220 feels good. 217, whatever I'm weighing in at, I think 200 is going to feel really good in the near future. Just a heads up, I have heard y'all. I am excited to slowly but surely just write a quick little manual on how the heck my road led me to lose a little bit of weight. Just something I can throw up maybe on Kindle for a dollar, do a little audio for a dollar. It'll all be good. 
The audio has been a lot of fun. Don't forget American Roadrunner, the book now available exclusively on Audible. Find it under American Roadrunner on Audible if you have an account. I might have uh, just a few, maybe three or four uh, free codes I can give away. So feel free to hit me on the gram or on the Facebook or wherever. Carrier Pigeon, Fax Machine, I don't care. Hit me up. I'm happy to give you a free code. Leave a rating and review. All will be good. I'm a little excited and proud of this project. It took a crap ton of work. We do a little interview at the end where myself and my narrating coach sit down and tell you all about it. Needless to say, for every hour of audio you hear, there's probably, there's supposed to be about six or seven hours of production behind it. There might be eight or nine, maybe even 10 hours of production as this was my first large project, but it turned out great. I got to do it all here myself in my little studio, a.k.a. closet to my bedroom. And uh, wow, what an adventure. Great to have that project done. Great to have it rocked. Yes, the artwork's the same by Bowmonster. Find it on Audible, American Roadrunner. Until next time, my fellows, rubber side down. And if you happen to be riding the 1K, stay tuned next episode is all about story sharing in the Ride One K in a Day. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. American Roadrunner. All I want is a machine between my legs and an open highway. Music for the American Roadrunner podcast is brought to you by Meek. The American Roadrunner Podcast is an ARR production. Keep up with Bob Marshall and his adventures and stories from the road at AmericanRoadRunnerTheBook.com, American Roadrunner on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And don't forget to check us out on YouTube. We'll see you on the road.